and torn, exposed and half-naked humiliation, subjected to indignities for the sake of new life. To be a mother is to say, this is my body, broken for you. And in the next instant, in response to the created's primal hunger, this is my body, take and eat. To be a mother is to self-empty, to neither slumber nor sleep. So in tuned you are to the cries in the night, offering the comfort of yourself and assurances of, I'm here. To be a mother is to weep over the fighting and exclusions and wounds your children inflict on one another, to long for reconciliation and brotherly love, and, when all is said and done, to gather all parties, the offender and the offended, into the folds of your embrace and to whisper in their ears that they are beloved. To be a mother is to be vulnerable, to be misunderstood, railed against, blamed for the heartaches of the bewildered children who don't know where else to cast the angst they feel over their own existence in this perplexing universe. To be a mother is to hoist onto your hips those on whom your image is imprinted, bearing the burden of their weight, rejoicing in the returned affection, delighting in their wonder, bleeding in the presence of their pain. To be a mother is to be accused of sentimentality one moment and injustice the next. To be the receiver of endless demands, absorber of perpetual complaints, reckoner of bottomless needs. To be a mother is to be an artist, a keeper of memories past, weaver of stories untold, visionary of lives looming ahead. To be a mother is to be the first voice listened to and the first disregarded, to be a mender of broken creations and comforter of the distraught children whose hands wrought them. To be a mother is to be a touchstone and the source bestower of names, influencer of identities, life giver, life shaper, empath, healer, and original love. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Thank you, Maggie, for reading that. I love that. Just a, a beautiful experience and representation of God's love that we have in mothers. Um, and not just that, Maggie mentioned when I asked her if she would read that, um, that speaks to the, our childlike approach to our God, um, how great it is. And uh, my name is David Grant. Uh, I, along with Mara, my wife, we play musical instruments and worship with you all. Um, I'm on the preaching team, so sometimes I say stuff that's what's happening now. Um, and uh, hey, my mother is here today, so I thought let's have some fun with this. Mom, would you stand? So this is Cindy Grant, and uh, she is, yeah, you can clap. She deserves that. She's the mother of three boys. I'm in the middle, and I uh, just wanted if, wondered if you would share with us what it was like to raise me. You can say the things I told you to say. <laughs> oh. uh, actually, um, raising boys is fun. At least for me it is, because I bit of a tomboy myself. And it was a lot of fun. However, there are challenges with every day and in every way. Um, David actually, being the middle child, was kind of the easiest Mm -hmm. of the three. Yeah, so what I'm hearing (laughs) you say is I was a dream. The other ones, monsters. I would say a dream. Let's stay on script. Um, (laughs) But, uh, 
he tended to try and mediate between his brothers and try and, you know, calm things down a little bit. However, things did get out of control every once in a while. And I found the best way was not to tell them to stop doing stuff, but to redirect it. So we became, we had a rule at our house. And David knows this rule very well. No blood on the carpet, take it outside. <laughs> so were there times when you felt like, why me? Why boys? Why did I ever decide to do this at all? Like, did you ever want to give up? I never wanted to give up. Hmm. Um, I think of life, every day in life is a challenge. And I love challenges. And I think God knew that. And that's why he gave me three boys. Because there were lots and lots of challenges. And yeah, there were times that I went to God and said, really? This again? Um, how are we going to get through it? And, you know, my husband will tell you he's very was very supportive and that right there in the trenches with me. But, um, um, yeah, I think God knew I love boys and he knew I love challenges. And uh, so why didn't every day was a challenge in those challenges? Why do you think you didn't give up? I didn't give up because of the benefits. There are so many benefits to having kids. It's when they come up and come running up to you and give you that hug. That's like an immediate little like, wow. And then when they do things that totally out of the blue that just blow you away and they tell you they love you and and then you see them grow and you see them flourish and you see them making their own decisions and meeting their own challenges and stepping up and becoming the men that they want to, that they are and their, the way that they embrace God, that makes it like phenomenal. I mean, it's like baking a cake. Yeah, baking, baking a cake from scratch is a pain in the butt to do. It is hard. And you have to put all the ingredients in there, and it takes time. But then when you get to eat the cake, it makes it all worthwhile. Well, I'm glad you didn't give up on me. Thank you. Oh, I, never I love you. I love you. <clears throat> so I remember um, growing up, my parents had moved us out of out into the country where we lived on a lake, and we had a life that we wouldn't have had otherwise, and that meant sacrifice. It meant my parents both had to drive hour-plus drives either way to work. And it wasn't until I got older and that I recognized just how much of an exchange of life that was. To think not only the work, but the travel. Every hour that my mom spent driving to work or home from work was a direct exchange for a life that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So all of that. And I never remember either of my parents. Sure, there was the, like the this is why we can't have nice things kind of comments. But there was never the why am I doing this or anything else. Just always the sacrifice. I, I think um, in junior high, I, I don't know, are, are we, do we still use the word um, husky? I was healthy. Um, I was on our junior high basketball team. I was short, not very good at basketball. And in my small school, we could only find six boys who wanted to play basketball. And uh, so I was the sub. And uh, just to show how, how good I was at basketball, there were games when, of our five, I'm the only option to go in. I never played a minute in the game. 
Um, so it's, it's true. It's true. I'm not after sympathy. That's just, that is my experience. But there was one day that my mom came home um, to pick me up after the basketball game. It was another game where I didn't play at all, and I was feeling pretty destroyed. I felt like, you know, I'm fat, I'm short, I can't do anything, I'm not valuable at all, you know, all this stuff. And she listened to me, and she encouraged me, and she poured herself out to let me know that I am valuable, and I, I, I do provide something to this world, and that she believed in me. And um, thinking about that idea of belief is she had gotten up early that morning, probably with very little sleep, made this long drive, a long day of work, then a long drive to come and pick me up, and then I needed more of her. I needed her to carry me through my difficulty and my pain. And I'm sure there are times that both my parents, they didn't have someone to carry them through because they were in a place of sacrifice for their kids. My mom believed in me, and that's, that's what it meant, that kind of belief where we commit to one another I think that's what true belief is. And that's really what I want to talk about today. What I'm going to do is basically a persuasive speech to get us to think differently about the word belief. And that'll make sense in a little bit, I hope. Um, Hopefully you'll be persuaded by the time I'm finished. So what I want to do is talk about the word belief. Then I want to talk about how God believes in you. I want to talk about how we believe in God. Then I want to talk about why this matters at all. And then assuming that I do persuade you, we'll have some next steps. So we're going to start with the word belief. Uh, the, the original text of scripture was around uh, three to 400 AD translated into Latin. And the word that we now have for belief was translated into Latin from the original. The best um, option that they had was basically, if it was a noun, it was translated into this word loyalty. And then if it was a verb, they use the word that we get our word credo from, which is, is basically like a full, I give my heart kind of feeling. So that was pretty accurate and pretty true to the original language that scriptures were written into. And then later on, we had from the Latin a translation into English with the King James Version. And that's the first time that you see the word belief um, in English is in, the, in, in that translation. And at the time, that was, that was a good word to be translated um, because it was from the German word. Um, I think it's pronounced belieben. I'm not sure you uh, German-speaking folk might do better with that. But it's, it's the uh, two words kind of combined to say life and love and this combination, which it captured really well, that idea of back to that credo idea of I give my heart. So initially, that word belief translated into English still met pretty closely to the original intention of the word that we have for belief. But during the 14th century and even more moving on into the enlightenment and everything else, the English word belief started to take on a different meaning. It started to have more of the idea that you're persuaded by, by the account of another or, a, a, you know, like it's more about intellectually knowing. Um, so it became more and more this, um, not so much this heartfelt commitment, but more and more of like, I'm persuaded by the evidence And I think that's where we are today. When we think about the word belief and we think about God, think about this for a minute. Whenever anyone talks about, like, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, what it usually ends up becoming is this whole list of truths that we can discover from history or whatever else that make me think that it is, in fact, true. Which is pretty far from the original use of the word belief, that heartfelt commitment. And uh, we do actually still use the word belief in that sense, though, but it usually is in more in context of relationship. So, for example, last summer, 
those CrossFit people, they do this workout called the Murph. I don't, still don't know why we do these things to our bodies, but it's this ridiculous workout. And uh, Jeff was participating. Jeff, I'm going to talk about you for a minute. Hope that's okay. Uh, you don't have to stand. I'm not going to ask you questions. But I wanted to cheer Jeff on, so we decided we're going to go over next door to CrossFit, to Haymaker, and cheer on Jeff through the Murph. And uh, he inspired me to join CrossFit. It's true. And so, throughout this year, Jeff goes to the 5 o'clock class, I go to the 6 o'clock class. When I come in, I get to watch Jeff finish up his workout, and he posts his numbers. And um, I was just talking with one of the coaches, this is... You know, hopefully you're turning red about how far you've come in this past year. You've come forever and you're working out. And we get to, I get to see it. In fact, I try to chase you almost every day as you post your numbers. And Jeff and I have talked about what it's going to look like for him to do the Murph this year. I haven't decided yet whether or not I'm going to do it. But I have a relationship with Jeff. I want to see him hit his goals. And I can't speak from like a, a fact position that he's going to destroy it this year at the Murph because I don't know what might happen. But I can speak from my connection and my desire to see Jeff succeed in what he's pursuing. I can see that he has invested into it so he will improve. And so, man, I'm behind you. I believe in you, buddy. You're going to do a great job at the Murph this year. That's where we kind of get gets a little closer to the idea of belief, this, this emotional commitment and connection with people. And so... I think we need to return that idea when we start to think about belief in God. So it's not about this, um, there's still plenty of good, true reasons to think that the Bible is accurate, but just when we speak about the word belief, I think we should think more about that emotional commitment like a mother makes to a child, like we make to our friends, thinking about it. So think about that if it were, instead of what what I said before of convincing of all the facts, that if we said, I believe in God, means I have a deep emotional connection and in, in commitment to God. When I think, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for my sins, and I follow him completely, that I'm talking about a heartfelt commitment, commitment to following Jesus. When I say, I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving in our world, that I'm actually making a loving commitment to recognize and move with the actions that God takes to restore and redeem the world. That's what I want to persuade you of. So, everything starts with God's relationship with us. So, God believes in us. Have you ever heard anyone say, God believes in you? I hadn't really heard that. I don't know if anyone else has. I think it's sort of a strange idea, but I I do think it's true. And I want to give you three reasons. There are a whole lot of passages to speak to each one of these reasons. I'm just going to quickly read over one of those. We'll get through this and let the Bible just kind of speak for itself. So the first reason I believe God believes in you is because God knows you. Psalm 139, 1 through 6. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place my hand of ble- your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for understanding. God knows you. That relationship is there. Second reason I think God believes in you is he loves you. 1 John 4.10 says, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. A third reason I think God believes in you is he is committed to you. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. 
from that relationship, because God believes in you, we move into a deepened relationship with God. And then we respond with belief to God. So let's look at we, reasons we believe or that we believe in God. First, we believe in God. We know God. We can know God. Philippians 3, uh, verse 7 and following says, I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Next, we should love God. So the Jewish leaders of the time asked Jesus, looking back into history, when God had demonstrated belief in the nation of Israel, had delivered them from bondage, from slavery, and were taking them into the land that God had promised, he gave the Ten Commandments, and that helped to, to um, help the nation of Israel understand what it looked like to be God's people. And the religious leaders asked Jesus, what of all those commandments was the greatest one? And Jesus said, out of relationship, out of God's commitment to you, we then, he said, Jesus replied, we must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we know God, we, can, we should love God, and then finally we are committed to God. When you commit to someone, you begin to join with them in their passions and uh, their heart. And in the same way, this is Colossians three twelve and following, speaking to how we then begin to partner with God's work in the world to heal and restore it. And it says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must, follow, you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Okay. So, why does this matter? This is where I'm going to try to be persuasive. You might be saying we're, what, 15 minutes in, you're wasting our time. I'm just not sold on this idea of belief. I think we're just fine with the idea of belief the way we had it before. In fact, I think maybe there's this passage I'm remembering that speaks to how demons believe. And if that same word is used there, then your whole argument is just blown out the water. Wow. Good memory, recall. What am I going to do with that passage If only I had prepared for such an objection. (laughs) So, uh, follow me on this. I'm going somewhere. So, this passage is James 2, verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. And uh, I studied this out because I thought the same thing you did. I thought, huh, well, how can I make this? I want to make sure that I'm standing on solid ground. If I'm going to be persuasive in this, I want to persuade you in the right direction. And uh, if... It does, in fact, say that, use that word. Am I, am I still accurate if I say we should rethink how we use the word belief? And so I looked into it, I studied quite a bit, and I looked at the original language here and looked at some commentaries, and I found that the structure of the sentence in the English language, if it were translated more directly, would read something more like this. Even the demons believe that God is and shudder. And that's really different from a passage like this one. This is John uh, six twenty nine. that says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he had sent. Now, the original language reads pretty much just like that. So you can see that in this passage, the object of belief is actually Jesus. 
or in the passage before, the object of belief is the idea of knowing that God is, the actual existence of God. And that construction in the original language completely changes the meaning of the word. I didn't make that part up. That's true. And it's consistent through the scriptures. So I think that I can stand on pretty reasonable ground to say that when we're talking about relationship with God, we should still change our idea of the word belief um, to this heartfelt commitment fully. And here's why that matters. The first reason that this matters so much is it's what God wants. So just like those, de- those demons believe that God is, that's not what God is interested. God isn't interested in just head knowledge of knowing that God exists. Instead, God wants more. He wants recognition of, than just that recognition of existence. He wants relationship. He wants to demonstrate love and be loved in return. Second reason why I think this is important is because it's what we want. Man is always asked, why do I exist at all? What's the meaning of life? Looking for deeper purpose. And at the heart of everything, we want someone to believe in us. The third reason why I think this is important is because it's belief that truly carries us. Love expressed through commitment is deeper and more profound than any fact or science. It's something science can't speak to at all. Our experience of God is more personal and more real than logic or observation. So science looks at our world and it seeks to understand it. It makes predictions of what's going to continue to happen. It can inform our faith and help us to understand our world better. But when it comes to the core of who we are and moves us forward, there's nothing more deep and personal than my experience, than how my emotions understand my world and then respond to it. So when I experience God, when I develop a deeper relationship with a God who loves and believes in me, that is what is going to fuel me to make it through any time that life gets difficult. When doubt rises, when the world just doesn't make sense, when it's painful, it's belief that will take us through that difficulty. So just like a mother who's compelled by love makes a commitment to do whatever it takes for a child, just like a God who compelled by love has done whatever it takes for us, we, compelled by love, are committed completely to following Jesus. We believe And the last reason why I think this is, I'm going to add this um, one to the slide, why I think this is important is God has chosen this method of relationship and calling restoration for all of creation as how he will redeem us, redeem all of creation. And it requires belief. Branches will not succeed if we never get past a head knowledge in believing that God merely exists. We think about our mission, that we have a heart Uh, We are people who are connected to the vine, who is Jesus. And we have a heart to reach out to all of Warsaw and see this kingdom of God revealed, explode into our community as we love God, we love others, and we make disciples. That isn't going to happen just because we know the facts to speak to why God exists. It happens because we have experienced a God who believes in us. We recognize that we believe in God because of how God loved us in the first place and gave his son for us. And then we move and get on board with what God is doing to reveal the kingdom of God in the world. That is my persuasion. Why we should rethink our thoughts about the word belief. I won't ask you if you're persuaded. But, so, let's assume you are. 
next steps. I think a first good place is just to evaluate yourself and understanding where you sit on this. And you could be anywhere along the spectrum. You could, maybe you're in a place where even the facts don't convince you this morning. You just don't know that this God thing is real. And that's okay. That's just recognize where you are. Uh, maybe you're in a place where, okay, I think God is real, but I'm not really sure that I think that God believes in me. Okay. And uh, maybe you're, you're beyond that and you're just struggling to connect more emotionally with and loving God and committing fully to following Jesus. And maybe you're already all in. That's great. Just recognize where you are. And I just want to encourage you then. We can develop our belief. I want you to just think about pressing in into where you are and moving into deeper commitment and relationship with God. A good way to do that is looking back to our um, spiritual formation series that we finished a couple weeks ago. That was all about how we have tools to move us into deeper relationship with God. I think one of the easiest ones is the the arrow prayers. So I'll make a suggestion that maybe uh, this week you consider if you want to move deeper in that um, belief in God, that you use one of these arrow prayers. The arrow prayers are just these short, true statements that we repeat, and as we repeat, they become more central to who we are and what we think. So, if you are struggling to believe that God believes in you, I encourage you, maybe commit to two minutes a day, every day this week, and let's just see if it makes a difference. Just two minutes. Honestly, it's healthy for you anyway to get your mind off the stress of the rest of the world and just take a moment and focus on something that's positive. So if you're in that place, you're just struggling, I just don't know, God, do you actually love me? Are you actually committed to me? You can write this down. We'll post it with a message as well. Here's what I suggest as a good arrow prayer to think through this week. Say this, God, you love me. You are committed to me. Yes, you believe in me. God, you love me. You are committed to me. Yes, you believe in me. Don't forget the yes part. I think it feels a little cheesy, but I think it's good for us to kind of agree with the things that we're saying. Maybe you're on that next phase and you're trying to think through, like, I just am struggling to make that commitment and connection emotionally with God. Or maybe you just want to go deeper in your relationship Try this one. Commit to uh, two uh, minutes a day, every day, and pray this prayer. God, I love you. I'm committed to you. Yes, I believe in you. Last thing I'm going to recommend as our opportunity to develop our belief is participating in ministry time. We do this every Sunday. And uh, this is an important time. It's not throwaway time at all. In fact, we believe that... um, God promises to move when invited, and this is just a powerful invitation to see God move. And this is for everyone. It doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. But I do want to say to the person here today who says, I'm really struggling just at the the foundational faith, like understanding whether or not all this is true. I came to branches today. I'm willing to give God a fair shake, but God needs to show up and show me something. So, You need to come forward for prayer at ministry time. If you don't, I'm not really sure that you're giving God a fair shake. Because it'd be like if you say, I'm on a diet, but you refuse to give up a large bowl of mint chocolate chip ice cream every morning for breakfast. That commitment just isn't real. We're telling you that this is a way for you to experience God. If you say that I really want to experience God and you don't do this thing, I'd have to question whether or not you're really giving God that opportunity to reach out to you. So I'd encourage you, whether you're in that place, just want to see God move, come up for prayer. What we're going to do is our prayer team is going to come forward as we close out. 
our, our, uh, the worship team is going to play some music. And if that's you, that's great. Come forward for prayer. If you're in a place where you, um, you have that belief, but you want to go deeper, you're struggling with believing that God believes in you, or you're struggling to make a connection to understand that I, I do believe and want to commit my life fully to Jesus. Or maybe, again, you're, you're in that place where you're all in, and you just want more. You want to pray with someone to ask God to show, them, show up in a new way. Ministry time, as you can see, is for all of us. Imagine if all of us got together and we all wanted to participate in ministry time. We all stand up and we look at each other and we just start praying for everyone. All because we have found a God who loves us, who's committed to us, who believes in us. And we respond with belief in him, commitment to God, and a deep love for God. And we join in his work to redeem and restore the world. I've hit ministry time enough. We're going to move into it. I'm going to pray. As the music is playing, I just want to encourage you to come and after evaluating and determining what do you want out of this, come forward and dig deeper into wherever it is for our ministry time. Let's pray. Uh, God, we recognize your love. We recognize how it was demonstrated while we were lost, you didn't leave us there. And you committed to us. But you came. You gave. You made a way for us to be restored with our creator. You gave us purpose. You gave us value. You call us your children. And now in response to that, we say, um, we love you. And we commit to you. We want to know you. We want to go deeper in relationship with you. We want to understand what it looks like to participate in your world as you call and restore and redeem all of your creation. We're excited to be a part of that. God, we join and we commit with branches. We commit with the broader church and we say we want to, we want to be part of something that makes your glory known. Holy Spirit, moving us, point to the areas where we need help even as nothing to do with this kind of thing, but someone is here today and just needs prayer for a pain, needs prayer for a difficulty, is mourning the loss of a mother or some kind of relationship, whatever it would be that we recognize that this time to do business with you is our opportunity to move into what is right for us, what you want, what we at our base level, what we want. Thank you so much for believing us. Amen.